Today's gospel reading is from Mark chapter 6, verses 6 through 13. Jesus went out among the villages teaching, and he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's great to be here and sharing with you at Christ Lutheran Church today. And as you may have heard, I'm Joe Hill. And over the next year, I'll be the pastoral intern at Christ Lutheran Church, where I will continue in the, my process of ordination in the North American Lutheran Church. Uh, and I'll also serve alongside Dana Schmidt and the rest of the youth ministry team as the director of youth ministry. My family and I are coming from San Jose, California and St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, where I was born and raised. And since 2010, I was on full-time staff at St. Timothy's as the director of youth and family ministries. And I also had a period of five years in there where I was also the director of contemporary worship. My wife, Elizabeth, and our two daughters, Avery and Kayla, will be joining us here at CLC in a few weeks. Um, so it's sort of like you know, sending spies into the promised land to scope things out and bring back a report. And she told me it better be a good one. All that to say, it's an honor and a privilege to be here at Christ Lutheran, to share the pulpit with Pastor Garrett, and to have the opportunity to serve and to grow in this local expression of the Church of Jesus Christ. My hope is that as it says in Romans chapter one, verse 12, we would be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. And so in that spirit, when Pastor Garrett asked if I wanted to preach five days after rolling into town with the bare minimum I would need to make it through the next couple of weeks before my family and the rest of our stuff got here, I said, sure, why not? It's one way to make a first impression. So today, I'm bringing you the next installment of this series, uh, walking through the Gospel of Matthew, or the Gospel of Mark, where we can take a deep dive into the shortest, most fast-paced, and perhaps the most enigmatic of the four Gospels. It's filled with stories of Jesus' life and his actions. It contains the least amount of actual teaching and preaching it doesn't include a Christmas story. It has numerous times where Jesus does amazing miracles and works and then tells people not to say anything about it. And it often, as is the case with today's text, presents the most succinct account of the events and teachings that are also found in other gospels. In all of its peculiarity, the gospel of Mark offers the people of God an opportunity to think, meditate, pray, and converse deeply over what it is that God might be teaching us in the text as we seek to be faithful hearers and doers 
of God's word. And today we have an interesting story uh, where Jesus begins to expand the ministry uh, that he began in Mark chapter one, verses 14 and 15. The ministry that was prophesied about in Isaiah 61, verses one through three. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And as he preached that, he was going about the land doing powerful works of healing, casting out demons and performing miracles. And in today's passage, Jesus is deputizing his followers, his 12 disciples, into this ministry, empowering them and giving them the authority to go out into the surrounding area with power to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, the message that the kingdom of God is near and to cast out demons and heal the sick. But this isn't just a story about something that 12 guys did 2,000 years ago. This is a ministry that Jesus expands even further in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, to a group of 72 followers. And it's a ministry that is passed on to all who believe on the day of Pentecost, when the words of Jesus in Acts chapter one were fulfilled. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until the ends of the earth. And that Holy Spirit and that power is for all who believe. Not just for some elite class of professional Christians who go to seminaries or work for churches or write books. It's for everyone who believes. And that means that if you have your faith in Jesus Christ, then that Holy Spirit and that power is in you as well. So we have every reason to believe that the church of Jesus Christ today, you and I, are the stewards of this ministry that Jesus passed on to his first disciples. And in this, in this text, Jesus gives the disciples two tasks the demonstration and proclamation of the gospel to show and tell others that God is for them and that he is near. Jesus gives them guidance for the journey as well. In Mark chapter six and seven, Jesus gives his disciples authority over evil spirits. And in verses 12 and 13, the disciples are exercising this authority. They are preaching that people should repent, they're casting out demons, and they're healing the sick. You know, it's interesting to me when we look at the parallel passages uh, that contain the same story in Luke and Matthew, uh, Jesus says this, Luke chapter nine, he gave them authority to cast out demons and heal the sick, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and heal all diseases. And in Matthew 10, says that Jesus told them, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of God is near. The disciples are charged with the demonstration and proclamation of the good news to represent the gospel in word and in deed. Simply put, it's show and tell. Show and tell people that in Christ, the kingdom of God is advancing on the evil, the sin, the brokenness, and the injustice of this world to set things right, and that Jesus is extending an invitation to all of salvation for all of eternity 
and the fruits of salvation for here and now. First, the disciples are given authority and power from Jesus to perform acts that will validate the message of Christ and confirm his love and his goodness, the casting out of evil spirits and the healing of the sick. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are given authority and power to embody his love and represent his kingdom to others. And we are sent to do so. We all know that the world we live in is full of hurt, brokenness, evil, and sin. And you don't really even need to be a Christian to see that that's true. But not only that, you don't really have to go very far to experience it either. It's on our screens, our TVs, our computers, phones. For many of us, it's a reality in our homes, in our schools, our workplaces, amongst our friends, and in our neighborhoods. Injustice and inequality are a harsh reality that many face today. Pain, suffering, hurt, and sickness touch all of our lives in different ways. And the people of God are sent into these spaces to represent his kingdom and to show his love. And so the question we have as believers in Christ is this, how do we represent Christ well? How do we love others well? Matthew 5.16 says this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our good deeds honor God and they can cause others to honor God. Our good deeds are a testament to his goodness. So don't shy away from good deeds. Don't shy away from acts of kindness, patience. Bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit as we see in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 through 23. Pray for people often. Be a good listener. Let yourself be inconvenienced by others and be present and available because by showing up for others in the name of Jesus, we can be conduits through whom God shows his love, brings healing, and overcomes injustice. We are sent into this world to embody the love of God by the authority of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, want to do, I do want to make something clear today, though. Our good deeds honor God but they do not earn salvation. Nothing we do can contribute or take away from the grace that is ours by faith through Jesus Christ. Our salvation is secure in him and because of his love. Nonetheless, our good deeds are the fruit of salvation and they point to the one who saves. Now I wanna take a brief sidetrack here um, and just follow the text down a little rabbit hole. It's worth noting 
that when Jesus sends his disciples out, it says he sends them two by two. He sends them out in pairs. When Jesus sends us into the mission field, he never sends us on our own. Now, I don't normally preach from TV shows. Uh, You know, I I prefer to preach from the Bible, uh, but I'm going to do it today. This one is too good for me to pass up. You know, you remember the TV show, The Lone Ranger? No worries if you don't. But the Lone Ranger's sidekick named Tonto. Maybe, maybe you are connecting the dots. The Lone Ranger has a sidekick. Everybody needs somebody. Jesus institutes the buddy system here. So the question I have for you is, do you have that number two? Because the Christ-centered life of discipleship is not one to take on alone. Who's your number two? You know, maybe it's your spouse. And if you and your spouse are both people of faith, it really should be at least your spouse. (laughs) Maybe it's a good friend, somebody from church, or a family member. But if you have that person, I encourage you today to thank them, tell them you appreciate them, and tell them you love them, and thank God for providing them in your life. And if you don't, if you don't have that person, then pray that God would bring them into your life. Now I want to get back to what I was talking about. As we talk about gospel actions, as we talk about representing Christ, I want to share with you one of my least favorite quotes from popular Christian culture. There's a very good chance that you've heard this quote, and you you maybe even like it. Uh, But I figure it's not a bad idea, you know, make a first impression by slandering one of the great saints of the church from the pulpit in my first sermon. Now, St. Francis of Assisi. And his quote goes something like this. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Now, bear with me for a second. I don't dislike this quote because I believe it's untrue. I, I do think it is true. It is very true. But it makes me uncomfortable because I would hate for the people of God to use it as an excuse to withhold proclaiming the name of Jesus because we've already done our good deeds. Matthew 5.16 says, Let our light shine before men so that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Our good deeds honor, they glorify God. They turn people's attention to him. But my concern for the church is that we may not always gauge when it is necessary to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And God is most fully revealed to us in him. And for a long time, my dad has been somebody whose faith I respect. He's been an example to me of what it means to be a man of God. He takes his faith seriously. 
He loves Jesus. And he exemplifies what I imagine the Apostle Paul meant when he said that we should boast in Christ alone. My dad is proud of Jesus. And everyone he talks to hears it. He's been jokingly described as spraying everybody down with the Jesus hose. You know, and if you talk to him for very long, you're bound to get sprayed because he can't hold it in. Now, when I was at St. Tim's, we had this program called the Cross Away Program, where we had these cross necklaces that we would make available for anybody who wanted to take one. It was free. Take it. It was made out of three nails in the shape of a cross. And it was very striking. You know, it was almost guaranteed to draw attention. And the idea is that you would wear the necklace, and then if somebody brought attention to it, you could take it as an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. And then you would give the necklace away, you know, hence cross away. And then you come back the next Sunday and repeat. And my dad could have been the poster child of the cross away program, because I can't uh, fathom to guess how many of those things he gave away. Well, one day, my dad was at Starbucks, and a young man, perhaps in his late 20s or early 30s, uh, came up to him and he, he pointed out the necklace. You know, oh, that's a, that's a cool necklace. And so my dad took an opportunity to pull out the hose. Shh. Yeah, it's the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you know about the cross of Jesus Christ? And you know what the guy said? He said, no, I don't. A young man in the Bay Area at a Starbucks within a half mile radius of half a dozen Orthodox Bible-believing churches did not know about the cross of Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let's not assume that people know. Jesus is sending us into this world, into our neighborhoods and workplaces, our families and friend groups and sports teams, not just to demonstrate the love of God, but to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and the good news that God is not far off. And that the way to forgiveness and a relationship with our creator is available through the, to all who repent and believe the good news. So that leads to the next part of my message. Jesus calls his disciples to the ministry of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And we are given that same ministry as well. But here's the thing. This text, it it uses what what I, I feel like today is one of the least palatable ways to preach the good news. You know, what does it say the disciples did? They went around preaching that people should repent. Repent! Now, let's be honest. Like, who, who gets the warm and fuzzies when you hear repent? You know, it's far more likely a word that makes us squirm in our seat a little bit. Now it conjures up images of turn or burn preachers and sinners in the hands of an angry God. But today, I want to reclaim the word repentance. 
I want to argue that repentance isn't a dirty word, but it's one of the most freeing, liberating, and healing treasures that Jesus has offered the church. And here's why. Because we live in a culture that is obsessed with image making, with cultivating a personal brand, of creating this self that we show to the public, whether it's in the things we post on social media, the things we put on our resume, the way we present ourselves so that we hope people would see and perceive us in a certain way. But the problem with so much of that is that it is not in line with who we really feel we are. And we may feel like, wow, people like me now, but if they really knew me, if, if they really knew what I was like, maybe they wouldn't. You know, there's a, a phrase that I've heard a lot. It's become pretty popular in recent years. It's imposter syndrome. And maybe you've heard it. It's the idea that someone feels like they don't quite belong here. You know, maybe it's getting a job that you feel unqualified for. Or sitting in church, feeling like people don't know what's really deep inside. And if they did, maybe I wouldn't belong here. Maybe it's a deep-rooted sense that the people who know you don't really know you. And repentance is good news because it reminds us that no matter how far away we feel we are from God, God is not far. That we can bring our real selves, our honest selves before a holy and a righteous God, a mighty, powerful God, the one who created the universe. And rather than being met with condemnation, rejection, or a swift canceling, We're embraced by the one who came to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Repentance is good news because on the other side of repentance is forgiveness and new life. There is bottomless grace and a place in God's family as a son and a daughter of the Most High. In the gospel, we do not carry a heavy burden to lay over people's shoulders and weigh them down, but rather we carry a word that leads to freedom and brings salvation. We are the bearers of truly good news, so let us not be silent. Let us not be afraid. Let us not be ashamed. Let us not assume it's unnecessary but let us boast in Christ as we demonstrate and proclaim the gospel. And finally, Jesus gives his disciples some guidance for the journey. He says, don't plan for your own provision. Don't take extra clothes. Don't take extra money. Don't plan for a place to stay. But trust that when you go where I am sending you, I am sending you with all that you need. We are to trust that as we go where we are sent, 
that God will continue to be faithful to his promises and that he will take care of us. And so we can step out in faith. And when you come to the table for communion, when you take the bread in your hands and you drink the wine, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is yours and you are his. And in Christ, we have all we need. He is sufficient for the journey. And along with that, Jesus says, don't be discouraged when you don't get the results you hope for says, if people don't welcome you and if they don't listen to you, kick the dust off your feet and move on. And I think Jesus is the perfect person to make this kind of point. Because Jesus did everything right. He didn't sin. He was 100% obedient to God. You know, I have to believe that Jesus, being God himself, was a genius And he he must have been the best preacher that has ever lived. And there were still people who didn't listen. He did everything right, and he was criticized, ridiculed, rejected, persecuted, and crucified for it. Because there is friction between the kingdom of God and the reality of sin, death, and the power of the devil in this world that we live in. When we're living into God's mission, we can experience that friction at times because we are on the front lines of the battle between God's kingdom and the kingdom of evil. It's like this, you know, in a football game, the only guy that doesn't get hit is the guy that sits on the bench the whole time. But when you go on the field, you may get hit, but that doesn't mean you're not going to win the game. And when we are on God's team, we are on the team that has already won. We are on the team that is already victorious. So we can go out to where God has sent us, knowing that he is already at work. And when God is at work, the work that we do is worth doing. We may not always get the results we want in the moment, but we can know and have faith that if Jesus Christ rose from the grave, then we have a God who can redeem any situation. Now, perhaps you're listening to this today and you didn't grow up in the church. You came to faith at some other point in your life. And you're here because someone in your life was faithful to this call. Or maybe you were born and raised in the church and you're here because you had parents or a mom or a dad or grandparents who were faithful to this call to demonstrate and proclaim the gospel to you. And so let us not neglect our mission because we aren't sure how someone will react. And Jesus says, when your message is rejected, don't worry about it. Kick the dust off your feet and move on to the next one. You know, maybe somebody won't hear you. Or maybe they just won't hear it today. 
and just one little building block along the way to a life of faith. Jesus says, trust in God to take care of you along the way and be faithful no matter the results. In conclusion, in our text, Jesus charges his disciples and us with the demonstration and proclamation of the gospel that the kingdom of God is near. And for us today, that we can proclaim that in the cross of Jesus, the kingdom of God has already triumphed over the kingdom of sin, death, and the power of the devil. And we live as citizens of the kingdom of God and as subjects to the victorious king, the just and the righteous king, the one who laid down his life for us. And that is a king who sends us as emissaries, as ambassadors of his kingdom into a world that is broken, suffering, hurting, and sick to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that the creator of all the universe has his arms open wide. He loves everyone. He wants all to be saved and that he is making all things new. We are the bearers of good news and we are sent by our savior and king to show and tell that this good news is for all people. Amen.